let me ask you, do you love what you do? Does it drive you to get up in the morning? Does it bring you joy? I want you to think about that for a minute because we're going through some really crazy times right now and finding joy in what you do is so incredibly important. I actually think you're going to find today's episode really joyful because my guest today loves what she does and it shows. I'm talking to the wonderful Mandy Aftel. You most likely know her already, but just in case you don't, let me tell you a little bit about her. Mandy Aftel is a world-renowned, award-winning natural perfumer, educator, and author of five books on natural fragrance and flavor, including one you might be familiar with called Essence and Alchemy, which won the Fragrance Foundation's Richard B. Solomon Award and has been translated into over nine languages. But perhaps Mandy is best known for her artisanal perfumes created from a palette of exotic and pure essences from hidden corners of the world, as well as her little cottage museum in Berkeley, California, which she created in 2017 called the Aftel Archive of Curious Scents. It's the only museum in the world dedicated to the history and experience of natural fragrance. We get into what inspired her to create the museum, and she shares some of the incredible things you can find there. I'm not going to lie, you're going to want to go. So get ready because this episode is jam-packed with gems of knowledge and insights you're going to love. So let's get started. I won't hold you up any longer. Enjoy my conversation with Mandy Aftel. This is An Aromatic Life, the podcast that aims to shed light on our beautiful sense of smell and increase its profile in a culture dominated by sight and sound. My name is Frau Gagalia. I'm a certified aromatherapist and smell coach who spent over 20 years in and around the fragrance industry. What I know for sure after all these years is that our sense of smell is powerful, yet is so underappreciated. There's so much we can do to harness our sense of smell to be well. So join me as I explore this mesmerizing sense from all different angles and learn what it can do for you. Enjoy the show. Hello, Mandy. I want to welcome you to An Aromatic Life. I'm so happy to have you here today. Hi, Franca. I'm so happy to be here. I'm very excited to talk to you. Yeah, I'm waving to you from across the bay. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> uh, look what I've got. I've got my favorite the original. book. I've got the original book. So what I'm holding up, listeners, is Mandy's oh. wonderful book, Essence and Alchemy. And I do, I, I bought this. I must have bought this in... Could it be in the 80s? Or when did you release this? Two, two, I think two, around 2000. A long time. Oh, in 2000. A long time ago. See, I feel like it was a long time ago. That's I got it right at the beginning. Copy. That copy, it, first of all, it sells for a fortune. It's so beautiful. I got to help with the cover. and But it, it's gone on. I'm revising it right now. Are you? And it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out from um, Nez in French. And it's going to come out in Vietnam. It's going to be uh, translated into Vietnamese. It has like... 14 languages a lot of languages been traveling all over but I'm updating it a little bit now oh that's wonderful so for those of you who are listening who don't know essence and alchemy it's a book you absolutely want to have in your collection if you're interested in all in natural essences and natural perfumery I mean it's it's would you agree I mean it's definitely one I think (laughs) that you need to have it's mine's a little I don't think I'll ever be selling it I don't need to sell it but because I've marked it up (laughs) but you did sign it People love that book. They like it the best of any of the books I've written. 
Yeah. Um, people, and, I, and I'm reading it now myself. I haven't read it in years because I'm revising it. Okay. And um, it, it's, uh, I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of it. Uh, most of it, I'd say 95% of it, I still feel the same way. Mm -hmm. It was at the very beginning of my career when I wrote that book. And there's so much in it. And I had the world's most amazing editor. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just knitted together in this beautiful way, which I credit her with. It's just really a special book to me. Yeah, it is a special book. So thank you for writing it. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I was listening to a podcast a while back that you were on. And one of the things that you said on there was that um, you're so grateful to be doing what you're doing and you can't believe you're doing what you're doing. You feel so lucky. Yes, I do. That's completely accurate. Yes. Yeah. I can tell just by the way you express yourself in the outside world as you know, on Instagram or wherever you are, you just, you just radiate someone who is absolutely in the right place and doing what, doing what you love. And I, I think today during our conversation, you, yeah. everyone will, for those of you who don't know Mandy, which I'm assuming everybody here will know Mandy, but in case there are a few out there who don't yet know Mandy Aftel, you're going to just fall in love with her today. So let's get started. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yes. I feel, I love what I do. I really do. Yeah. All right. So the question I always like to begin with, with my listeners is, or my, my guests, I should say, is what does the sense of smell mean to you? I'd love to know your, your thoughts. Yeah, the, the sense of, my sense of smell is how I engage with the world. Um, I, I smell everything, you know, uh, kind of like a dog, you know, or something. I'm always smelling, you know, and interest, very interested and fascinated by smell. So, um, uh, you know, if I'm in the grocery store, I'm smelling things. If I'm having tea, I'm smelling things. Um, if I'm putting on my clothes, I'm smelling me. I'm very interested in how complex and, and um, diverse just what you smell is and what you pick up. And yeah. so I, I find it a very fascinating way to just live my life. Um, I garden a lot. I, I'm interested in those smells. I like the impolite smells too of the body. I like, I like the whole thing. I, I like that it's not so connected to language. So you have to search for what's going on with you or what you feel. And I'm also not very repulsed by smells. It's like, mm -hmm. I love the smell of a skunk. Okay. I, like, I like the funk. I yeah. like funky stuff a lot. You embrace and the funk, yes. The funk, I embrace the funk on all, in, in all parts of my life. So I just, I just kind of like it. And it's, I like it in its kind of rawness and, and in its unmarketed aspect, not necessarily the finished product of perfume, but just the being alive piece. I love that. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's, it is, it's about curiosity too, isn't it? It sounds like you're always very curious. Totally. But, yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I'm very, I'm very, very involved with, with that without even thinking about it. It's not anything I think about. It just happens for me all the time. And I'm also always like, I love the world of natural aromatics. And I'm always very interested in how they smell and how they evolve and how they're different from each other. I feel like it's like a magic shop. So can we take a little step back and just so we can get to know how you got to where you are today? I mean, we're not going to go through your entire life story here, but I believe you were born in Michigan, right? Detroit. I was born in Detroit. Yeah. I'm 74 in two weeks. I cannot oh. begin to believe how old I am. I, I lived my first 20 some years in, in Detroit. I went to University of Michigan. 
I, I came out to Berkeley, uh, which is where I live in Berkeley, California, in my very early 20s. Um, and I just loved Berkeley and I loved Northern California. I just loved it. It was so right. For, and I was a beatnik and then I was a hippie and I was um, as unconventional as can be. And so it just all the times, the place, the beauty, it all really suited me. Um, I studied to be, um, I did, I did different things. When I was in Michigan, I got a degree in counseling oh. and, um, and, and, uh, but it was like school counseling. Okay. And then I went on, I came out here. I can't really get the order totally straight, but I got very interested in textiles, which I, I, I loved. And I wove, I went to study making textiles, which I really liked, which I think we're going to get to maybe a little later. Mm-hmm. And then along the way, I loved rock and roll. And I, um, I decided I would write a, a, a biography of a, a rock star. Well, I didn't decide it. I just was curious about him, Brian Jones from the Rolling Stones. And I ended up doing that. I, I, uh, I kind of followed my nose in my life without a plan and ended up doing st- stuff I had no idea I would do. But anyways, I did that. And I was a therapist with my degree in counseling. And I focused on artists and writers. And I wrote books about- So you're uh, a writer, yeah. Uh, a very good writer. Kind of the creative process, and but psychology. I realize in therapy, people tell you stories, and I love stories. And then I kind of slid into perfume uh, in this crazy way, and uh, have stuck with it for a lot. I, I stopped being a therapist, sadly, because uh, I couldn't manage everything. And then, um, so I, I wrote this book on stories called "Story of Your Life" about okay. psychology. And then I decided, I have no idea why, that I wanted um, to write a novel because I thought I was very expert in stories and make my main character a perfumer. And I had liked research from my writing about Brian Jones because I got to meet all these people in the Rolling Stones and interview them and do all these things. So um, I uh, started to collect old books and somehow I knew perfume was mostly synthetic. This was quite a long time ago and I liked natural things from the garden and food and stuff so Mm -hmm. I started to collect turn of the century books when was the last time things were really natural Mm -hmm. and I read the books and I thought they were amazingly interesting I just Mm -hmm. loved the old books I loved how eccentric the people were I just kind of fell in love with that then I thought well for my novel I'm going to take a little class uh at, at a place that taught aromatherapy they had they taught you how to make a little natural perfume and solid Okay. I, I did that and I had some skill off the bat or something. I had something mm-hmm. and I took it with a friend and she said, uh, let's start a perfume line. And she had a kind of business background, which God knows I didn't have. And um, we did. And we had the first natural perfume line it was like 30 years ago. And we launched in Bergdorf Goodman's and, mm-hmm. and then the business kind came to kind of a terrible end and okay. I was no longer in it. And um, then I, by then I was hooked, like I was obsessed with natural essences and the books. And I had like, uh, like 50 books or a hundred. I had a lot of them. I was, I would go to book fairs and find them and read them and teach myself and get essences. And so um, the person who had published my best friend, story of your life, my psychology book said, why don't you write a book for me on perfume? So I did. I wrote essence and alchemy then when I lost my business. And at that point, I kind of thought, I was pretty bad at business and pretty unconventional. 
and that I would just do custom perfumes. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking, but I thought I would. And then I just kind of slowly added stuff to what I, I ended up with a little perfume line, which is still to this day, tiny and all made by me. Then I went on and write, wrote some other books. I got involved in flavor, but nothing was um, planned um, at all. And I taught, I did a lot of the stuff I'm doing now. I did it like 25 years ago, I, but I've improved it as I've learned. So I do, I teach. And then I made this, you know, very unconventional museum, but that's further down the line. So I, I'm kind of doing what I've always done, but just added to it. Things have grown. That was a long way around that one. But anyways, that, that that's how I got here. But when you were a kid, can I ask you, did you think about smelling much? Probably not, right? I was very curious and got in trouble and, and didn't fit in. I just didn't fit into my, my background was very conventional. Uh, what would be considered suburban now, but wasn't. And okay. um, uh, it was just, uh, I, I didn't, I was like a, a bohemian from the get go. You know, I was just, I was really different and struggling and just didn't kind of fit in. So I was always curious about everything. And, okay. and, and um, so smells and the sensual world, that was all like, I was always interested in sensual stuff. I just, and I still am. So smells were in there with it, kind of everything else, but not, you know, not in particular. Okay. And I think interestingly, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I think about texture and, and textiles, there's something sensual about that too. And the whole, the feel of things and, and touch and, and, and putting little things together yeah. and things that come from far flung places, you know, that textiles are really a part of so many cultures. Every culture has had weaving. It's the first thing to go it's laced into culture in the way that um, essences are and, and natural botanicals are into history and spirituality. I see them as incredibly connected and feel like I'm weaving when I'm making a perfume. It's, I have that idea in my head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I, I, I agree completely. I see there's absolutely a connection between all of it, even writing. I mean, I know writing is about language, but um, it's, there's, there's a connection to all three, the fact that you're a writer, you did textiles, you, you know, did weaving and now you're doing perfumery. So yeah, there's a common thread. Yes. I, I think so too. I'm very fascinated by things that are small that mm -hmm. you, I, I, the whole artisanal process is very important to me. Okay. I'm not a person who, uh, wants to grow in that way. I really like the hands-on piece of life. So let me, can we get into the natural perfumery a little bit? And let's talk yeah. about uh, the natural essences. So you work strictly with naturals, yes, um, not with synthetics. So tell me why that is. Well, I love naturals. So I don't really have a soapbox. I'm not on a soapbox about synthetics. You know, I don't hate them or, you know, having, I don't, I just don't, I just not, I'm just not interested. You know, I just like uh, everything about, natural essences. I like how they smell. I like their textures. I like the layers of the smell. I like um, how uh, one, say, lavender is different than another. I like all the things that make it impossible to do big business. You're right. <laughs> I like how expensive they are. I, I like, I like, I like the colors. I like to work with them. I think they're really complex to work with. It's like taking one complex thing with them. I like their personalities and I love how they're connected to who we are across time 
across the globe, that they've been so important in human development. And I feel that, you know, I feel that when I'm working with them, like I'm working with something that has this incredible history. And I, that to me is very much quality. So I like, I just like all that. That's yeah, yeah. That speaks to me. And when I started, there weren't so many people like me, but now there's lots of them. You know, <laughs> stuff has really changed. It's You've started terrific. a movement. It's terrific. It's so terrific. Boy, I remember when I started being yelled at by a lot of people, very famous really? reviewers and big deal people. Yes. And terrifying me. You cannot make an, that in naturals. I remember being yelled at and, uh, you know, criticized and, you know, all that stuff. And I'm um, thinking, well, I don't know, I can't do it, but I'm doing it. Right, right. Maybe you can't, but I can. It seems like it was done a long time. I think it can be done. <laughs> and what I like so much about naturals, too, is that they're so unpredictable, oh, you know, from good. batch to batch. It's just, it's not standard. I, lo I love that. Everything about that. I do, too. I, lo I love that where you get the material at the, at the, in the cycle of its life, it's like a little bit different. You have yeah. to tweak it. Yeah. And then, you know, whenever I make a perfume, I always compare it to an older batch and figure mm -hmm. out if it's exactly like it or if there's a little something that's shifted and I need to fix that. I like all that. I like all those processes. I just think they're fascinating. You know, and there's, there's where I see a, a similarity when you did your, your counseling or your therapy work. It's, it's almost like you're you're checking out the personality of the of the essences just like you would a person right because each one is so different yes right? i totally feel that way i always used to feel i was like a bad interview subject because i always felt it was the essences that had the personalities and i think of them as having like this one's difficult and when i yes. teach they say you know because i have a little kit they get so i have some real stinkers in there they don't smell <laughs> bad but they're they're frightening to work with and when yeah. I'm talking, I say, okay, this looks warm and friendly, but guess what? This, this, this essence is terrifying. What it does in a blend. Like, or <laughs> this one has a really, like, think of it as a party, your perfume. You can't have too many big personalities there yes. because it'll make a mess. Or this, this one gets along. I think of them all that way. It's like, they're my friends. I'm I do sure the same thing. They're going to have a butterfly net out after me soon. But I do think of them in that way and i kind of teach them that way because they're so individual and i love that too so thank you for bringing that up i love that <laughs> i also um noticed that you work a lot with um upcycled materials which i, I love so I tell, tell us about that you know I, first of all I, I, it all for me starts with the materials everything is about the materials and using the materials which is I think very complicated for a consumer because everybody says they're using these materials and they're not, right. or that they're you know searching all over. For, I mean, a lot of a lot of the marketing really misleads people. It's very hard for them. But um, I'm careful, very careful about what I buy. Um, I buy some stuff that's already been, uh, been distilled. I buy them from different places, and so um, what they are is they've been distilled. They've, they're spent. And then they do a solvent extraction on that. So they're slightly roasty. So I mm. use those that have been through two processes. I also um, have a lot of 100-year-old oils, which I do use. I bought them up a long time ago. So I have an exhibit in the museum of them filled. But I have just as many that I have. 
so just I for have, you, your personal. I, I have like a half a kilo of Mysore sandalwood from a hundred years ago. Like I have really a lot of stuff because when I started with the books and the stuff, it was like a hunt, which is where the museum came from. So I got a lot of stuff when no one cared. And then I have old oils because I bought them a long time ago and I always overbought. It's, I sell stuff, but I always keep some for me. Yeah, so I a hope lot so. <laughs> of, a lot of the stuff I have, you just can't get anymore, you know, and I knew it when I got it. So I wasn't going to be able to like uh, ever, you know, be consistent as a seller, you know, or as a buyer. Um, and so I like using older stuff because they change. And if something has been distilled or solvent extracted well, usually it just marches on in its beauty. It just keeps moving down the line in this great way. And you can, I feel you can feel that experience. I feel like that and my connection to the materials, which is huge to me, the connection to the materials. So I have a lot of upcycled stuff and upcycled packaging. I mean, I wasn't called that stuff when I did it, I just did it. But um, when I started like 30 years ago, I made solid perfumes in these uh, cases that I had made for me. Uh, and then um, I always had people get the case and then mail the case back to me and we would clean it and refill it so that I never used stuff that was gonna be thrown away. And then, then I moved on and got antique cases, which I spend like, a frightening amount of time like looking for because they have to meet all my criteria but they come back to like old friends so my customers send their cases back and we clean them oh. or if you get a custom from me so those like stay kind of stay in practice and also um i'm pretty careful about um what i buy and what i do i don't as a human being i don't like to have a lot of stuff that's not meaningful to me so i'm not putting out a lot of things. I'm not, I'm, I'm, it stays pretty small in terms of what I feel connected to. And I mean, I love the fact that you're, you're small, you're about quality, not quantity is kind of how I see it. And I, I've gotten some of your um, natural essences and I, I'm just blown away by when I smell them versus other things that I have. I mean, it's just, there's a really, I don't know your, you know, keep it to yourself, your little secret sourcing, because you should, because it's just, if, if, and anybody can buy it all over the world, right? I mean, it's on your website. Anybody can buy my, I spend like, I am such, such an obsessive personality. These things are so good for me because I am obsessed. It's worth when it. When I get in essence, I compare every single one that I can ever find. And then I find what I think is got the best. Now, because I feel like if you, particularly with naturals, the facets of the essence are so important yes. to what happens. They break off and connect with one another. And they're what distinct, besides their main, like say body essence, yeah. the facets of them. And the better the quality is, the more interesting the facets are. Yeah. And so I look for that. And some people will say like they, you know, they know that's my thing because they can tell like there's a certain variable that runs through them. But I love working with them. And also I do, and this is not so upcycled. Um, if I find a better version of something, I throw the old one away. I do. Ooh. And it can be very good. Like if I find a better version of say, um, like I had this frankincense, for example, which I buy from the grower in Africa. And um, 
it is dicey as can be to, to deal with, I have to say. You know, I, I, he, he doesn't always answer me. Everybody doesn't always answer me that I buy from. First of all, I'm, I buy this little amount. I'm not a big buyer and stuff. And so um, I bought from him for years and then he never answered me for like, I don't even know if this is a good story, but anyways, didn't ever answer me. I'm writing and writing and writing. And finally I gave up and I bought somewhere else because I thought like, okay, it's, yeah. over, it's over, I'm done. I don't can't, don't have any, I had my little stash I'd saved and stuff. And then he popped up like years later, he just popped right up. Do you need any frankincense? Yes. Yes, I've yes. been trying to reach you. And then while well, you ask, they don't answer you. And right. so then when I got his, it was so much better than the other one. I threw it away. Okay. And yeah. it was the best I could find. But once I find better, I just change it out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's clear because I find one of the more difficult materials that I work with where I noticed your quality was just so exceptional was in the citruses. Oh, citrus, citrus is so adult. I, I mean, your citruses are just sparkling and vibrant and just, I mean, gorgeous. A lot of people without <laughs> saying sell citruses that are flat. Yes, they do. And when I was going to, uh, there was a time when I was going to do a, um, uh, a job for big, very, one of the big perfume companies, because I've, I've been courted by a lot of big, I'm places, sure. <laughs> but I don't, I don't do that. But I was thinking about it this a long time ago. And so they gave me everything they had they had really huge amount of stuff so i got their citruses and they were horrible yeah. i remember i mean they had a lot of good things because many places have uh some good things and some not you, you know you have to pick and choose which i like so the citruses were super flat so i said could you get fresher citrus because they wanted me to only use their essences so i would be like this kind of showpiece perfumer for them and they said no and I thought, because they, because what they do is they buy these huge amounts, they sit there, they get dead. Yeah. So I am very careful. I have high turnover on them. I get incredibly good stuff. And if they get flat, I get rid of them. So my citruses are superb. They absolutely and, and are. Again, I, I had this great bitter orange. Have you gotten bitter orange? Oh, yeah, yeah. I got the bitter it's orange. A, yes. You did it recently? Yeah. How long? Yes. That bitter maybe, orange, well, maybe three months ago. Yes, that's it. That bitter orange from Tunisia was so mind blowing. I could not believe how good it was. I tossed all my old bitter orange and bitter oranges by and large. Eh, and it was so good. Yes. I thought like, oh, my. and then usually, oh my God, then I have to reformulate my perfumes when I get something better Then everything doesn't fit together the same way. Yeah. So then I, but you see, I couldn't do any of those things if I was bigger and it would make me unhappy. Right. So it's very clear to me. I'm, I'm doing what's, what's, you know, feeds my soul. What's right for you. Yeah. And feeds your soul, which is so yes. important, yes. which is totally. getting back to why you love what you do because <laughs> you're small. Because I'm tiny. I really love being small. I really yeah. love being small. There's such a um, positive thing about being small, like you said, just because you, it's, it's, it's about the quality and, and being able to work with things that are at the highest, highest level, you know, and there's it's something more of an art, artistic kind of yeah. way. And I see, often see a lot, like when I go look out on the internet, uh, and I do, I, I, I don't talk a lot, but I watch a lot of things, you know, I watch things in the perfume community and um, there's such a push to be big. There's mm -hmm. such a push 
uh, and such a kind of a lot of boasting about being big and how great it is to be big. And, and I feel like it's so misleading for people yeah. uh, that it's so great to be big um, because I feel like it's such an amazing time to be small and to not be looking at the big boys and what they think or currying favor with them. There's so many things have opened up artisanally for people who work in naturals or work in naturals and synthetics to really communicate their art form creatively to people. Yeah. That, and when I began, that wasn't so much there. You had to be in a big department store. You had to go to the yeah. magazines. You had to do all this stuff, which mercifully, like I did. And it was okay and kind of lovely for me. But now, like when I teach, I'm always trying to teach people to really focus on the trade-offs of, you know, feeling pressured by the outside world to grow and um, be, quote, successful in conventional yeah. terms. So that's a really important message. Thank you for sharing that. This episode is sponsored by Airmid Institute. Are you ready to be part of a sustainability revolution in the world of aromatics? Because an Airmid Institute membership is your gateway to making a meaningful impact that actually becomes a seed for change. I'm a member of Airmed Institute, and it's probably one of the most rewarding nonprofits I've ever joined. You see, by becoming a member of Airmed Institute, you're stepping into a global community that's completely focused on the sustainable stewardship of medicinal and aromatic plants. Here's what you'll get when you join. Twice a year, you'll get this amazingly curated list of threatened medicinal and aromatic plants, so you know what essential oils you might want to avoid using. They do all the work for you and make it really easy when it comes time to buying your aromatics. You also get access to innovative research and education, like the Rosewood Oil Study. And you can learn about fair trade and ethical sourcing through webinars they hold. I think my favorite part, though, is that your membership supports the use of medicinal plants in indigenous communities. Like, for example, the Toucan Project for the Shipibo Kanibo of the Peruvian Amazon. So join Aramid Institute today and use the coupon code ROSEWOOD at checkout to receive a free copy of The Thing About Rosewood. Simply go to www.aramidinstitute.org. Together, we can protect medicinal and aromatic plants and their use in traditional medicine for future generations. Can I ask you what, in all your teaching and, and just working with you know, interacting with people, what do people get wrong about naturals, do you think? Like, or what are their misconceptions about naturals? You mean, is it a finished perfume or is the essences that- Let's perfume? start with the essences themselves. Um, I, I think that it's hard with naturals because of so, all, all the regulation from IFRA. Yeah. I think that it's, uh, you know, and I wrote about that on uh, Fragrantica. Um, I think that piece of it makes it very difficult. I think people, um, about natural natural essences have a path through understanding them. They're different than synthetics, and they're different to work with, and they're a different. They're just different. Period. Yeah. And so I feel like people need um, to understand the particular variables and uh, kind of identity of naturals. Naturals have on their own a cocktail of chemicals, and they are have a, a shape and a texture and an odor intensity and facet. There's a whole way and you really need to know them 
we, you know, know them. Yes. That's why I made that wheel, know them, but you know them by working with them. So no matter how much you know about them, once you put them together, it's different. Yeah. That's where the sleuthing and the, yes. the learning really begins about who's doing what to whom, how is the interaction kind of taking place. And, and that's part of what I teach is how to deconstruct what's happened in a perfume and then go forward and edit it, which I find endlessly fascinating. It's yeah. just, I, and I like editing with my writing, the whole editing process I feel is just very, very fascinating. I also think with naturals, there's a big push and um, kind of, I see this out there of using like hundreds of things or tons of essences to show it's very complicated. And I feel you can make beautiful things with very simple, high quality stuff that every time you add something new, you should know why you're adding it. Yes. So I'm very, I have a very kind of controlled approach to how you analyze and take apart and edit a natural perfume, which you're working on. Right, right. Do you work with isolates at all or not? So I work I totally. I love isolates. Okay. I would love isolates. Um, a lot of misinformation about isolates. Okay. Um, I got to them later. And I think they're phenomenal, natural isolates. I love them and I teach them. Um, I think that people get confused about a natural isolate versus a synthetic one. And so I feel like um, I only work with things really that are isolated. So I always, which is not so easy, find the, the original starting material. And I have friends in regulatory everywhere I shop that put up with me and go figure it, go get it and tell me it comes from X or it comes from Y or guess what? So usually with isolates, if you're a shopper like me, because I sell them and I use them, yes. the naturals are in one place and the synthetics are in another. So if you're looking up linalool, for example, that, or, or phenyl ethyl alcohol, they'll be selling them different depending on, and they'll have different prices. Mm -hmm. So I enjoy the isolates because they're contaminated. Because <laughs> when you have, a, you've isolated something, um, it's, got a tiny bit of its parent material it's not pure and so each so I like sourcing those because mm -hmm. I like to find the one that smells the best to me that has some aspect I, I don't know which it is but some aspect of its parent material and what's very interesting to me in the books from the 50s because I'm a big reader and perfume books from the 50s all the way up through the 70s where people were super into synthetics they were really into naturals too. It was a different ball game. The bottom line was not money and it wasn't big business. Right. They were real artists working with synthetics and naturals. And when you read the books, which I do, and they talk about the isolates, they will tell you right there that what it's derived from for the natural ones really makes a difference. If your Palmer, if your geranial comes from Palmarosa as opposed to whatever. Yeah. It's a different isolate. And so yeah. we were on to all of this gloriousness of minutia about the natural isolates. So they're very interesting to read. So I, I, found, I, you know, I taught myself a lot from these books of people who were working with both. And what the isolates do in a natural perfume is they extend the amount of time you can smell it for, which is a miracle with naturals. Because naturals disappear, you know, before you've turned around. So they make them last longer on the skin. They shear out the texture and they allow you to play God. Like 
guess what? You know, you want to add a little smidge of rose to that nutmeg. You want to have a little floral facet. Here you go. Yeah. There it is. They're both in the middle together. Nutmeg absolute, let's say phenylethyl alcohol. And you can just make it a little bit rosier nutmeg. So they're really fun. All right. So should we talk about your museum? Yes. I want to talk all about. The, the museum is the love of my life. The yes. archive of Curious Sense. I, I had no idea I would do that. I did it a while ago, but I kind of don't remember. I, we were open for a few years and then we had closed for COVID and now we're open again. And I had always been collecting after I started to collect the books, which I did, the turn of the century books. I kind of, from bookseller to bookseller, then they sometimes had a postcard that was hand tinted. So I would buy that. And mm -hmm. then people would have old stashes of oils and they would come to me and I would buy that. So I had like a lot of stuff. When I started the museum, I had like, say 70% of what's out there. And I was always like, people come visit, they come visit my studio, I get it out, I'd share it with them. And then I'd have to put it all away. It was like a mess. And then it occurred to me that maybe if I turned my, I had a cottage here, if I turned it into a museum, which was kind of crazy, but I had been to these little museums in like France, in the gold country and they were very charming and they were again little as me yeah. they kind of fit me and so without having a clue how to put it together or what to do i just started to do stuff you know i got uh i wanted to show the animal ingredients i wanted to have exhibits where you could smell things in a very low-tech way i wanted people to smell the essences i had ideas it took me three years and a lot of money to make this place and um i did and i'm still it's a work in progress and i'm adding things and changing things but um i love it out there i have um things that i like that people can touch stuff and i love that they could smell it it was very hands-on so i have a lot of the raw materials and every raw material i have i have the essence of I have now some 16th century herbals. And so everyone who comes to the museum gets this little kit. They get okay. this little aroma cone. So their nose doesn't touch anything when they're outside and it amplifies the smell, this thing I invented. But they also get a little white glove. And so I had noticed, um, I had all the books, but people I felt were intimidated because they're original I know. century books and I let people touch them. And I was intimidated smiled. too. Yeah, people are intimidated. So we got these gloves because I got these really, really fancy. I got Theatrum Botanicum and uh, Symbolorum and Emblematum, which are from the 16th century and they're a fortune. And they have all these original woodcuts and um, very beautiful copper plate drawings of botanicals and animals and things. So we got a little stack of white gloves and we put them next to the books. And I noticed that people took the gloves and I thought, and then they kept the glove on and went over to the books because I go out and watch them. Yes. So I thought, you know, if people had a glove, they wouldn't be intimidated to look at the books. And I want them, I like the experience with something that's beautiful, that's real, and yes. not like the essences and reproduction, not reproduction. So I gave everyone now a white glove and we have a little icon for it on the website. And it's Michael Jackson's glove, by the way. That's what we put up there. Excellent. For the glove. <laughs> And so everybody's out there with a little white glove and looking at things. And I just, 
love it. And they're deeply engaged. They're just having this wonderful time. So I have a lot of stuff about, not about marketing, because I feel like so much in perfume is just hollow marketing or just yeah. marketing. So they have this experience with the essences, with the old postcards, with the old books, with the things they can smell. I have a, an exhibit. It's a deconstruction of one of my perfumes. I think that's so important. I love that. And, and people, you deconstruct the rose too, right? Yes. I deconstruct yes. things so people can you know, smell each piece that goes in. And I have now have this phenomenal oud exhibit. One of my students, um, uh, Ross Uriri, um, who died last year, was an absolute mm -hmm. incense master. And he used my perfume uh, teaching to make incense. And he made incense with ambergris, with tuberose. I mean, the most amazing oak moss incense on the planet. Wow. He took so many courses with me. He kind of knew everybody. And uh, <laughs> when he died, he left me his Oud Agarwood collection. Aww. And so um, I, um, and, and hadn't had it all labeled. So I went back to some people. I mean, I spent three months putting the collection together because some of it I didn't know what I was doing. And then my students, my perfume students um, did a, a, a crowdfunding thing on Go, GoFundMe or whatever, one of those places to buy a extraordinary piece of Oud in Ross's name. And they raised $2,500. Wow. And then I went back toward um, Kiara Zen, who's a incredible uh, incense, tea, and oud uh, resource master. And he also chipped in. And I saw, bought this extraordinary piece, very, this big piece of oud. And then he donated a piece. So we have this amazing exhibit. And then I went to one of these uh, uh, people there who helped me source my, the oud oil I have. Um, she sent me to this great uh, oud distiller uh, named, named, I'm sure I'm gonna just destroy his name, Tajul Bakshi, it's kind of his name. He's uh, in India. And I got some very beautiful oud, real oud. Uh, and I put it outside for people to smell. So they have this whole encounter and wrote some stuff up about it. So it's a new edition uh, uh, of the last few months. You, you are going to have I'm to- I'm coming. I'm coming over. Uh, Absolutely. And, and the wood is magical. I don't let people touch it. It's in a closed case because I'm worried it'll be stolen and mm. also moved around. But it is absolutely fantastic. So I'm very proud of having that. And I don't know anywhere else that really has it. And there's so much, you know, bull about oud. It's really nice to share it with people. Yeah, I mean, it. that's what I love about your museum, which I've been to three times coming up to four now, now that I know there's this new oud <laughs> exhibit. Oh, it'd be so neat to have you I'm come out soon. connected this way. I'd love that, yeah. Yes, yes. But I just think everything in there, you know, you, you walk in and I know it's changed since COVID. I came before. COVID hit and I know you had to change things up a little now you can go in the garden which I love before it wasn't so much the garden but it's this multi-sensorial thing it's like you said it's about touching too it's and it's about really experiencing the real stuff I think you probably get a lot of people who are surprised at what things smell like because they just have this abstract idea based on the products they, they might buy it. I love watching them in there 
Yeah. I don't know if these people that come are somewhere like very mean people, but I swear to God, they are so nice and happy when they're in there. I just feel like what a parade of good people. They are so <laughs> excited. They, first of all, they walk in the door. We move, we've got more stuff now than we used to have because I was a maniac collecting. We now have a real pomander from the 16th century too. We have a wow. jeweled pomander, really spectacular. Um, so we have lots of stuff. And when they open the door that, you know, the big six foot um, whale for the Amber's exhibit is right by the door now. So they open the door and I love it. They go, oh, <laughs> when they, cause it's, you just can't imagine what it is. And then they get in there and they're happy and they're appreciative and they're so, say such nice things to me. And they also, they come back. I'd say half of our visitors are repeat visitors. Yeah. They come, I believe they come it. back with their family, they're yeah. excited, they're happy. You know, we, we just recently had a man come in a wheelchair with his attendant and he was just thrilled. You know, people are just, for that slice of time, I feel like they're happy and I get to be a part of it. And they, they I feel like, here's what I feel. I feel like they have the experience that I had when I fell into this. Like I'm recreating like how completely excited I was when I found it and how excited I am, how it lifts my mood. It makes me not depressed, how much it's done for me. The beauty of all this, this beauteous world that is that the, the natural aromatics are a through line, but all these auxiliary, you know, paper, books, things that you can fall into that are imaginative. So I feel like we're connected. Me yeah. and people there, I'm having the same experience. So it's the best thing for me I ever did. You know, I love yeah. it. Each time I went, I brought somebody and I, I brought people who aren't that connected to, to yeah. sense and smelling. And, and now they are more, you know, you kind of, you get people who otherwise yeah. are not thinking very much about scents or fragrances or oud or, you know, natural materials. And Yes. I, so I get I get people who are really you know deep into perfume and yeah. stuff, but I get people who you know have no idea at all, right? You know, and and they're so changed, you yes. know, when they leave, and they so are welcome to my world, and I I kind of love that, and I feel in that way it sort of spreads, you know, yeah, this thing I found to more people. And, and also, I just feel the relentless marketing that goes on is such a deterrent to people's joy. Yeah. And they, that they encounter this without, you know, being marketed to or at, or anybody being on a soapbox or putting down synthetics or any of the rest of it. It's just joyful. And particularly during COVID, I've just seen a lot of that go mm -hmm. on. And so I, I love Saturdays when... We see people and we see, met everybody in our neighborhood, you know, and people also plan their trips to come. It's, it's, I had no idea it would be so much fun. Oh, it's, it's the best. It's the best. And I encourage people to also check out, you have a little virtual tour, I think on your website, right? I so do. I do. Yes. And I'm going to, we need to do another one that takes into uh, account the outdoor smelling area, which I think is very cool. And I'm very busy planting a million roses right by where they are. And, um, <laughs> 
and, and some other, there have been some other very interesting and positive changes uh, out there since. So there's some new wonderful things. So I need to do another tour. But it's it's a great place to start, and I'll put that all in the show notes so people can check out oh, um, you. your museum you. and and everything you're doing and and your teaching as well. Um, I, I I'm teach. just in the level one, but I hope to continue further. <laughs> I, you know, I love my teaching. I've taught for twenty some years. Yeah. And I used to teach in my studio, and I had little. I have little little class, and now I teach on Zoom. And so I uh, everybody has that self study workbook and stuff because it's because I think there's so many different ways to learn. I, I want everybody to have this basic set of skills, but I teach on Zoom, my class is little, and I basically, um, I love my class on Zoom. My class on Zoom has a lot of components that I couldn't do in the studio. And I always felt, gee, I wish I could do this. It was always in my mind, even though I, the class was the best I could do, I felt there were things lacking and that bothered me. And some of it, <clears throat> was um <clears throat> i used to have always have people make and remake a perfume okay. but um and so i could talk about editing and people could learn from one another's blends but i couldn't make it happen and now i have right after the zoom class people make very quickly and remake um three different perfumes for the three sessions and then they email me those formulas and i make and remake their perfumes too and then i analyze them for the next session. But what I'm really looking at is the, uh, not is it good or bad, because I feel that's completely irrelevant and there's no judgment. It's much more about what are the dynamics between these essences? Mm -hmm. How are things affecting each other and how can you begin to change how things are affecting each other in a blend? Because no matter how much you know about materials, it's the interaction that makes a perfume. And so I really am very uh, focused First of all, I have an organ, a little mini organ that everyone in class has to buy, which is a scary fortune. I was very nervous about doing that. It's turned out to be a godsend. Everyone loves it because I can say when I'm talking, can you um, smell the bergamot and you know, and smell the yuzu? Do you smell like that place where one is more piney? So they yeah. pick up their body. Everybody can smell at the same time, which in the studio, I used to pass it around a scent strip by the time the last person got it, I wasn't talking about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. So now their perfume, their essences are in front of them. They can get that learning. I can say, you see in this perfume, like when we put the methyl and threnolate in the top, how different that was than if we put in say blood orange, let's just do that together. So a lot of it is right on the spot. I remake the perfumes. They have a library of their fellow students' perfumes and, the, and my analysis notes. So I encourage them for homework to, to um, make a version of their fellow students' perfume they were interested in. And once it's not yours and your ego isn't involved, yeah. you, can, you can just have fun and learn yeah. from a blend. So I said, you know, she used Rose, you used Jasmine, you know, in this center place, go give that a try. And then I can also interconnect. So I'm doing this stuff I dreamed of doing before. And so I often get these emails I got one today. When will you teach in your studio again? <laughs> and I write them back and I say, how's never? <laughs> but it's just like, I would never not be doing this. And also I continue to learn. So mm. I, I love my class. And I used to always be slightly intimidated by it. Like I wasn't doing good enough and it wasn't enough. And even though I didn't really hear that from anybody, 
I felt I could do better and now I am and I'm motoring down the road to do even more. It's really fun. I love, so I love my class. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, that information is on your website too. So for those who are interested in learning from Mandy, which is, is a dream, um, check that out there as well. So I've taken up a lot of your time. Do you mind if we finish I with the last? This. I love this. This was so fun. Thank you so much for, I mean, I know we're not at the end, but thank you so much for giving me a chance to speak my heart this way and having such kind uh, feelings about me and my work. I appreciate it so much. Thank oh, you. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's, it's I mean it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, and I, I just wanted to finish with the three questions that I like to ask my guests. Some had already asked, when are you interviewing Mandy? And I said, I will, I will, because they want to know what you're going to say to these three questions. So here it is for those listeners who had asked me. <laughs> okay. um, so the first question is, do you have a favorite smell right now? Or what would it be just in the moment? I know it changes probably, but it changes. Anise hyssop. I put it in my last perfume and I grow it in my garden and mm. I really like it. It's also called licorice mint. It's this very <clears throat> anise um bright sweet thing and i bought it like 20 years ago i bought it all I, I and i do tend if i find something i hold on to it so i bought it and i used to sell it like 20 some years ago and then i realized it was never going to be there again so i hoarded it which is not unusual for me and i always 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 wanted to put it in something because i used to put it in mint tea so i would make you know like a pot of mint tea and i put like a drop in nice and then it would it would make the mint kind of licorice it was really great tea nice just yeah, not, not yeah. just a drop and um so recently i i realized i wanted to make a green perfume that i had somehow retired all of them and i really wanted to work with anise because it had the right facets yeah it had like it had something that mint and anise didn't have and so i was determined so i'm very into that right now and I I I I love um the flower part of anisysip which I grow in the back because the flowers always have more linalool in them of the herbs so they're always like you know the rosemary flowers and the thyme flowers they always have this they're not as camphorous yes so I yes. like how everything on the plant has a different thing so anisysip's my answer very nice I, I can we smell that at your museum yes I have it there and I wish someone would distill it I got asked for a question, I was uh, consulting to, oh, I can't remember. I think FIT, no, it was maybe not FIT. It was someplace in New York and they had a perfume class and they said, um, they asked me about naturals and I was you know, helping. And they said, um, and we may grow stuff. So what should we grow, you know, if we could distill it? And I was like, didn't waste two seconds to say, <laughs> do Anna's hyssop. <laughs> Please, throw it. Please, I hope some distiller out there hears me and yeah, I'll well, be first in line. You might have one here. You never know. <laughs> um, and then the second question is, do you have a favorite scent memory that you could share? Yes, I have one. I thought I thought about these because these were hard questions for me. So my favorite scent memory is of my mom mm. in Detroit. Um, going out with my dad on Saturday night and wearing her mink coat, which is a complete no-no. She had a, like a silver like mink coat and she wore joy perfume. <clears throat> she wore joy perfume and she would spray it on herself, but she'd spray it on the coat. 
Ah. It's so, and it was so slightly animalic. Yeah. It had like a little animal undertone in the, so it was this big sure. floral thing. And then it had this like, and I put my nose in it because it was very soft and furry. Yeah. I know yeah. it's very on PC now, but <laughs> I was little. And and I really thought it was the, the smell with the texture and the furriness and all of it. I just, that's my favorite scent memory of my mom. Well, that's wonderful. I love that. Joy with a little animalic aspect. <laughs> that's great. With, with a little soup song of animalics, yes. Uh, and the last question is, um, what are five smells that best describe you? You know, I thought about that one a lot. And I was very busy thinking of things. And then all of a sudden, it occurred to me what my answer should be. <clears throat> and it was so like, right. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this book I wrote called Fragrant. I have it. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, and I take five essences. That's right. And I thought those are it. Yeah. Those are my five. That so makes I'll, sense. I'll go through them, <clears throat> but they're my five. I spent years with them and they became incredibly interesting and alive to me. So cinnamon is one, which is kind of the titan of the spice trade. Um, the most uh, complex, I think, of the spices and rich and kind of also ignored. It's mm. kind of because once cinnamon became easy to get and all of those feelings about luxury and money and are things beautiful and valuable if they don't cost a lot? I think, yeah, they really are. Um, so I, I love cinnamon. I, I always... If I go somewhere, have a cinnamon roll because I just really like, uh, I like cinnamon. I like sweet things. I like how it's in food. I like, I just think cinnamon is completely fascinating, complex, rich smell. So I love cinnamon, love mint. I grow a lot of mint. I make mint tea. I like how completely pedestrian it is. Mm -hmm. It's literally underfoot. But for me, it speaks of gardens. It speaks of greenness. It speaks of freshness and new beginnings love mint just mm -hmm. as simple as can be love frankincense mm -hmm. and all the varieties of it in those gorgeous uh, pieces of resin which i melt mm -hmm. and love i love its history with us as people um it's it's just to use something that has that kind of history so far back is profound for me and again a little bit like the cinnamon or the mint it's not ex expensive, it, but there's such, there's such amazing richness and beauty and luxury in real, for me in my life and things that are really simple and common. Like most of what I feel that way about is very much within reach for everybody. It's not this you know, spectacular statusy thing. I don't relate to that much. So, but I will move on to jasmine, mm. which I love jasmine. I love the fecal floral piece of it. I love that it's got the funk. Yeah. It's dirty, <laughs> that it's putrid, that it's beautiful, that it's yin and yang. I, 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 I love what jasmine does to things. I love it on its own. I just think jasmine is the, well, jasmine and rose, of course, they're just spectacular. And I love that it's just a, uh, 
a combination of such different things that it is a, 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 in the alchemy model, a reconciliation of opposites. And then ambergris, which is really, you know, the miracle of transformation. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Starting out as poop and being the most magnificent, shimmering, strange smell that it's found on the beach, that it is um, so mysterious, so uh, so full of our history in medicine, in, in across the globe, um, in spirituality and food. It's just kind of you couldn't make it up. You, you you couldn't make up something as strange and mysterious as frankincense so uh, ambergris and so it's my five kind of rock stars from my book you know they they speak to me they it, it and also it's a piece of this i this doesn't get old so <laughs> I, when i when i come back to it it's like i'm different and i see it different and i smell it different i'm I'm moving along in my education and development, and so are they. Yeah. They continue to fascinate me. And I'm a person with a tiny attention span if I'm bored. So it just keeps my interest. And uh, so those five for me. Perfect. Perfect. We're going to put links to that book in the show notes too, of course, because it's another it. wonderful book. I mean, I appreciate it. it's my favorite. Of, it's not my most popular or my most favorite. I mean, my most famous but it is my favorite. Yeah, I can see. I can see. Wonderful. Well, Mandy, thank you so much for being here, for spending time with me and for sharing all the wonderful work that you're doing. Thank you. I loved you. it. I love, I love this time with you. This flew by and <laughs> I thank you so much for including me in your wonderful podcast and for really taking such um, care with my work and what I'm about to titrate what you said to who I am. So I, I thank you so much. This was a wonderful experience. Thank you for giving it to me. Thanks for joining me on An Aromatic Life. If you're interested in learning more about your sense of smell from all different perspectives, subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends too. And it would be so helpful if you could rate the podcast so it helps others find it too. I also invite you to check out my website and aromaticlife.com, where I share lots of information, including my projects around the sense of smell. Until next time, remember to smell everything and have a wonderful day. <laughs>